Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in Baton Rouge tonight. And for those of you that may not be aware, I grew up in this beautiful city, and it's always great and pleasurable to come back home. And uh, my, how things have changed. I get lost just trying to figure out where I'm at. And uh, the city's grown, and so many things are different, but yet so many things are still the same. And uh, it's good to be back home. I give honor to uh, the elder of this house, Brother B.A. Spells, such a dear friend of my family and uh, a friend to the church I grew up in. During a time of transition, uh, Brother Spell and this church opened up their doors for my father and his congregation. And I say thank you to that. It's good to be here with you and to my good friend, Brother Tony Spell. Amen. I love him and appreciate him. And in this room are all kinds of people that I have known for a long time. And uh, there's people in here that taught me how to pray. There's people in here that were my boss at work. And uh, it's good to see them. And uh, then men of God that have preached into my life. Brother Jonathan Alviar has no idea what impact he had upon me as a young man when he preached about no flesh shall glory in his presence in Fresno, California. And uh, it's good to see him and all of my friends. And I know that every one of them could do uh, a more than adequate job in this pulpit. And uh, I'm just privileged to be here tonight. And uh, I'm praying that God would help my voice. About two days ago, I started coming down with the flu. So, Mr. Soundman, you'll probably want to throw this away when I'm done. So I'm going to do my best to get through this. Brother Spell, if I could have that water over there. So I'm not sure how much volume I'll get in this message, but maybe God will help us. Amen. If you have your Bible, let's go to the book of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And uh, all of you that it's been a while since you, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. My, hasn't he gained weight? Amen. So... Now that we got that over, I'm still just as good looking as I was before. There's just more of me to love. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's good to be here. First Chronicles chapter 12, one verse of Scripture. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. Understanding of the times, and it's from this passage that I borrow my title. Understanding the times. Put your Bible down and let's ask God to speak in this house. Give us understanding tonight to face the battle that we must fight. God, we need you tonight. I pray that you would fill this house with your glory. I pray you touch my voice. I pray you touch my heart and mind today. Let the glory of heaven kiss the earth tonight and transform us by your presence and by your power. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say praise the Lord. And you may be seated. Amen. Has anybody noticed that the world has changed? And everything seems to be changing quicker than I can keep up. My whole life I thought I was cool. I thought I dressed good. I thought I had cool music. And then I had teenagers. I found out I combed my hair funny. I dressed funny. I talked funny. And my kids say, Dad, every time you go back to Louisiana, you come back with an accent. But everything that we call life seems to be changing. The way we live has changed. The way we work has changed. The way we communicate has changed. Who knows what the next ten years will bring about in this wind of change. And in spite of our resistance... We have all been thrust into the swirling vortex of change. Education is different than it used to be. Finances are done differently, and who knows where they'll be this time next year. The medical world is changing with the advent of the Internet, that where it took years and years of research, now with the click of a button, information is transferred across the world, And the combined efforts of doctors are pursuing things at a much more rapid pace. Even medicine is changing. Everything in our world is changing. And oh, how I wish that I could say that the church was exempt from the wind change. But even the apostolic church is feeling the turbulence of a changing world. And I have heard In my part of the country, maybe it's not like this in southern Louisiana anymore, but I've heard a lot lately in my part of the country about understanding the times. I've heard a lot about this new way that we are supposed to be adapting to to lead the church into the 21st century. And I've even taken some time to... uh, go through some people's writings and see some of their blogs on the Internet, and in their self-absorbed eloquence and rhetoric, they are espousing and are positioning themselves as spiritual gurus to lead the church into the 21st century. And they are posturing themselves across our nation in pulpits and their different means of voicing their opinions, as these people with profound new revelation. And they are calling for the church to adjust all that it is. I have personally endured some painful lengthy discourses in college and seminary as I have heard those claiming to be scholars that are caught in the relevancy web, that are trying to position themselves as the superheroes of a new generation of compromise. As if it's some new thing, but really it's just the same old hag in a new dress. 
And I must come to the conclusion that tonight there is a whole lot of confusion. Maybe not here, but where I'm from, there's a lot of confusion. And while attempting to meet the demands of a changing world, many have become confused about the church and its role and its responsibility. We are here on a family conference night. And already Brother Alviar made mention of the power of the institution of the church. I want to tell you what we need is families to understand the role and the responsibility of the church in the family. I thank God that my family was in the church. Where would I be if it wasn't for the grace of God? And if you're new to this apostolic faith, let me remind you something. It's not just about mom and dad. It's for every child. It's for every one of us. God save the family. Praise God. I just got to be me tonight, so... I guess we, we give what, what we're involved in the fight of faith that God has us involved in. And the front lines where we wage war is what comes most readily to our spirit. And there are those that have been deceived into believing that relevancy is the answer. And they have taken our text tonight as their banner of what is being called the emerging church movement or whatever other title you want to give it. And in the rough attempt to deconstruct the apostolic model, they want to rebuild it into a new and improved hybrid model, if you will. And they have labeled all that refuse to comply with their agenda as out of touch and bound by tradition. So tonight I want to preach because they've taken this passage. They are preaching that we need to have understanding of the times. And it is for this very reason that I want to examine this passage more closely tonight. First Chronicles gives the account of those men that were aligning themselves unto mighty King David. You see, King Saul had died. Chapter 10 of the book of Chronicles ends with one of the saddest passages in the Word of God. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the Word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. The Bible went on to say, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore God slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. These were trying times where God's people were facing great oppression and opposition. Saul had begun to lead the people of God while being alien to the will of God. And can I say tonight, whenever leadership is out of the will of God, only judgment will come upon the people. Through his disobedience and his refusal to wait for God's authority, the Bible said that he transgressed the Word of God. Saul began to search for answers from people of other spirits. We find him at even one point in his life going to the home of a witch for spiritual direction. He 
He ceased to listen to the voice of God in his life. And it cost him the kingdom. David would become the king. That old anointing would finally come to pass. Israel gathered themselves together under his leadership. At Hebron and so his kingdom would begin. David would conquer the Jebusites. Chapter 11 then introduces us to a list of worthies that were those that aligned themselves, men of honor, men that would connect themselves with this great King David. One of them, notice, killed 300 men. There was another that fought over a barley field. Then there were 30 who went into the cave of Adullam because they heard simply that David wanted a drink. Then there was one that killed a lion-like man of Moab. And then he killed a lion in a pit on a stormy day. Then there was the one that killed the Egyptian giant. He walked up to that giant, took the very spear out of his hand, and killed him with his own weapon. The list goes on, and in chapter 12, there is the account given of those that gathered themselves to David. In verse 32, the Bible said, And the men of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel was supposed to do. This was a group of men that looked at what was going on and recognized where the anointing of God was. And they recognized what Israel was supposed to do. I want to make it very clear in the beginning of this message tonight that Israel was in shape that she was in because of leadership listening to the wrong voices. She was in the shape she was in because of disobedience to the Word of God. Kings were trying to act like prophets. God would judge His people because of the sin of its leader. But I want you to notice now in context the men we just discussed. This was a unique time. Judgment, pain, death, disobedience judged by a holy God. But somewhere in that time, there were some men that rose up and recognized that God was up to something. And one of them, the Bible places as a sign of one man that was willing to take on 300 by himself. One man that was not afraid of the majority. It goes on to talk about one who would defend a simple barley field. It may not look like much to you, but I'm going to fight for this thing. I wish I had a believer in this house tonight. God's Word takes the time to tell of those 30 men that went and got a cup of water. Just simply because their leader, they overheard the leader say, I would like a glass from there. Then it gave the account of one man who would fight a lion when it wasn't convenient. Are you getting the picture? 
The Bible's trying to show you that in a time when the majority was seemingly against, in a time when people were letting go of things they thought insignificant, in a time when everybody was going crazy, they said leadership just wants something, so we're going to get it. I'm talking about people that will fight when it's not convenient. My God, this is a family conference. That's what we need is some people that will stand up. The answer in these troublesome times of change is somebody that will stand up against the majority. Somebody that will stand up and say, I know it's not convenient, and it don't look like very much significance to you, but I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to fight for what's been given to me. I'm going to stand. Hallelujah. And this is the context of the sons of Issachar's alignment with King David. They understood the times. They understood what had gotten Israel into the shape she was in. They recognized who God's anointed was. I have heard it said in my world that this scripture is really about relevant thinkers that learn to adapt to their culture, that learn to adapt in a changing time and made everything relative and relevant to their environment. Well, I'm not so much interested in what the guy down the street has to say. I want to know what the Word of God has to say. So, after hearing this banner paraded so much, I decided that I would take this little passage and do a little research. My research led me to the first chapter of the book of Esther, seemingly disconnected, but has very important weight upon our discussion tonight. You know the story King Ahasuerus had thrown a party. In his party, he was going to display to all the world his might, his glamour, his majesty and beauty. The ultimate moment of display was to be his bride, Vashti. He gave the word to the chamberlain, who was the voice of the king. The voice of the king would go to Vashti's place and said, The king is calling for you. But Vashti said, tell the king I'm not coming. Tell the king I won't be at his party. In fact, the Bible said she was throwing her own party. She said, I will not be on display for the king. And I know we could preach this many different ways, but in my folly, bear with me tonight as I see an application. Vashti refused to come. The Bible says... King Ahasuerus went to his wise men. The Bible says, which was his custom. These men, the Bible says, quote, who knew the times. He was facing a bride that would not obey. And he called for some people that understood the times. But then... It gave definition to knowing the times. 
Herein is an understanding of this passage. The Bible said it was his custom, these men who knew the times, and he spoke to those that knew law and judgment. If you want to know what the scriptural understanding of understanding the time is, it is simply that, knowing the law and judgment. That's what it means to understand the times. It doesn't mean get relevant. It doesn't mean adapt to change. But what it means is you can look change in the face and say, wait a minute, I understand these times. And the law of God is this. And the law of God is that. And make the right decision in the face of a changing world. And maybe this isn't where you're fighting, but this is this is smack dab front lines to where I'm living out in the land of cereal of nuts and flakes. Everywhere I look, I'm getting it crammed down my throat. Adapt, change, adapt, change. Come on, be relevant. Come on, understand the times. This is 2009, preacher. You're preaching what your daddy preaching, what your grandpa preached. That'll never work. Hey, I got news for you. This ain't a day of change for the church. There are some things that will never change. Hallelujah. To understand the times, I don't care who told you, go to the book and understand that it has nothing to do with culture. It has nothing to do with relevance. It has nothing to do with social justice. It doesn't have anything to do with coffee shop Christianity. But what it has to do with is the law of God and the weight of His righteousness and the right decision. My God, if we need anything, we need some moms and dads. We need some young people. We need some preachers that have understanding of the times. Whoa, hallelujah. 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 Maybe they're not doing this where you are. But where I'm at, we're bankrupt, but everybody's trying to go green. Even in the church. Trying to be relative. And so now, instead of door knocking on Saturday, and prayer meeting on Monday, the new term is creating sacred spaces. Which is a new term for cleaning up the park. So, you can't get anybody to prayer on Monday night, but get 25 people to go to the park and pick up trash. Put a little spiritual gloss on it and call it creating sacred spaces. Let people feel a little bit, and they want to say, we practice works. Understand the times is not about going green. Understanding the times has to do with understanding the law of God and the judgment of God. To understand the times is to be able to discern what is the right thing to do. What does the Word of God say for me to do? Not what's the coolest. Not what's the most trendy. 
Not what's the latest church fad. Not what's the latest Christian bookstore hit. Brother Young, you've turned into radical since you went there. Yeah, if you lived where I live, you'd get radical too. Somebody said, why do all you California preachers turn into raving maniacs against Evie? Hey, Flash, the Terminator is my governor. My God, he ain't never held an office. He can't even speak English, Harley. And he got elected. Why? Because he was on a silver screen. Do you think I'm going to sit back and just let that junk come down my my life? I want to tell you, somebody's got to rise up and say, bless God. You're not coming in this house. Well, that'll never work. Nobody wants, yeah, I'm looking. Nobody wants that preaching. There's a whole lot of people on their feet right now. There's a whole lot of new churches being built. There's a whole lot of revival in this age. Why? Because people still want truth. coffee shops. You can't buy enough stools. You can't get enough untucked shirts to have revival. But if you'll get the law of God, if you'll get the word of God, and you'll preach this truth, and you'll preach this book, it'll change your life. It'll deliver you from sin. And that will change the world. say need some folks that know how to make right decisions. You may be seated. You want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit? Let me tell you the first one you need to pray for. God, give me the spirit of discernment. Let me learn how to discern right and wrong. And if you ain't got it yet, then listen to the man of God that preaches to you on Sunday. I'll tell you what it is. I tell you what discernment is. It's reading the law of God and understanding judgment. It's saying, God, what does your word say? That's what I'm going to do. If I don't understand, I'm going to find my man of God and show me the way more clearly. But what we need is people that understand the times. Amen. People that know how to make right decisions. Let's look at the sons of Issachar. We, we often quote this, they had understanding of the times, but they're really found in other places in Scripture that maybe we've overlooked as we're going through our daily manna reading chart. Rush through some of those things that don't seem that interesting, but yet have heavy weight on understanding this passage. Who's got Genesis 49? Ask for some help tonight. Read verses 14 and 15. Issachar is a strong ass, couching down the burdens. And he saw that the rest was good and that it was pleasant, bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. This is our basic first introduction to Issachar and what would become known as the sons of Issachar. It is at the blessing of Jacob, before he goes the way of all the earth, the anointing of God comes upon this great man. He says that Issachar is as a strong ass crouching down between two burdens. Prophetically, he said Issachar was going to be a very strong man. 
Not an average man, but a man that could carry burden. Issachar, he went on to say, not only strength, not only abnormal strength that he could carry two burdens, but this was a man that would also recognize a land that was good and pleasant. He said when he sees and recognizes that pleasant place, to that place, he will bend those strong shoulders and become a servant and pay tribute to that blessed land. He's able to recognize, I don't know if you caught the significance of that verse, but he recognized that this place that has been given to me is worth me taking my strength and supporting. I'll bend my strong shoulders to support this good land. I'll bend my shoulder. I'll pay tribute. I'll become a servant to this blessed place. I'm preaching on family night. What there needs to be is some men and women that recognize what a pleasant place the church is uh, that recognize uh, the beauty of what God has given you. Some men that say, I know it's going to cost some things. I know it's going to be a heavy price, but watch me, pastor. Watch me, church. I'm bending these shoulders down, and I'll carry two burdens. Uh, I'll become a servant to this blessed place. Too many in this world today, they only want a land that costs them nothing. Looking for greener pastures. Looking for what is more popular. Instead of looking at a land that's going to cost a burden. Give us fathers and mothers. Give us families that understand the times. These men were able to recognize the weight and the favor of God. That's not all the Bible says of Issachar. Another prophetic touch would come upon mighty faithful Moses who was about to die. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse number 18 and 19. Read it, Brother McCoy. And of Zebulun, he's yours, Zebulun. In thy going out, and Issachar in thy tents. And Issachar. Now watch what he says of Issachar. They shall call the people unto the mountain. They're going to call the people to the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices. And on the mountain they shall offer what? Sacrifices of righteousness. Sacrifices of righteousness. Now hold on right there. Sacrifices of righteousness is only found three places in Scripture. Two of them specifically and one by inference to the best of my study. One of those is found in Psalm chapter 4. Psalm number 4. Men, get this picture, men were turning the grace of God or the glory of God into shame. What God called glory, they were turning it to shame. I could preach a lot about that. Does anybody else know anywhere where shame and glory are connected? Young ladies, don't you be tempted to change the glory that God put on your head. Hey, that's not just some has-been doctrine of your grandma and grandpa. That's the book of God. 
There's a heavy price to be paid to those that turn glory into shame. Brother Young, that's not relevant. Yeah, it may not be relevant, but it's right. And evidently, there was a reason they were doing it. In that second verse of Psalm number 4, they were in love with vanity. They were caught up in stuff that had no value, had no meaning. And they were seeking after false teaching. It said, see, it means false teachers. They're, they're finding anybody that will teach to them. Verse number four, he said, stand in awe, sin not, be still, lay on your bed. In other words, sit still and don't change nothing. And then he went on in verse number five, he said, offer sacrifices of righteousness. The answer to people turning glory into shame is somebody better offer some, sacri some sacrifices of righteousness. That's the first time. Second time is found in Psalm 51. You know that one well. How many times have you prayed those prayers? David is confronted by the prophet Nathan. You are the man. Psalm 51 is that beautiful prayer of repentance. David pours his soul out before God, wanting to get his heart right. Help me fix some stuff, God. I, I made a mess of my life and of this throne. So, Lord, purge me with hyssop. Wash me. You know it well. Change. He said, He said, make me to hear joy and gladness. What are you saying, David? Change some stuff that I've been listening to. I've been hearing some stuff that's speaking to my mind and brain. So God, change me. Purge me. Wash me. Change what I've been hearing. God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He went on to say, a broken and a contrite heart, O oh Lord, thou would not despise. But he ended that beautiful prayer. In the 18th verse, he said, then God will be pleased with sacrifices. Of righteousness. Third time by inferences in Malachi, the third chapter. He said, I will send my messenger. He's going to prepare the way and he's going to straighten out the highway. There is going to be a refining fire that comes and purges. It's going to be a time of purification. In order, he said, to bring an offering of righteousness. These are the understandings of Scripture, of what it means to call the people to the mountain, to offer sacrifices of righteousness. So you, Issachar, you're going to call. Not only are you a strong-shouldered man that recognizes the blessing of God, and is willing to carry the burden of that blessing. But something in you is going to call my people to a mountain to make sure that everything's right. And you're going to offer some sacrifices, not just to praise, not just to thanksgiving, not just to love and devotion, but there's going to be something you're calling the people to. And it's a calling to righteousness. Oh, I'm a worship leader. I love to praise. I love to sing. But there's a whole lot to living for God that has to do with living right. David, in fact, said, yeah, there's a connection to my praise and my performance. He said, I will sing praise to my God that I may perform my vow. 
understanding of offering righteousness to God. He went on to say, For they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hid in the sand. It's a car because you could recognize the season. Because you could recognize the place that God put you. Because you could recognize the truth that had been handed to you. Because you were willing to accept the burden and pay it tribute. Because you were willing to call your brethren up. Because you recognized the time of offering righteousness to God. Reminded of another son of Issachar. The Apostle Paul, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's a car because you understood where you were at. You understood what time it was. There, like that ass couching between those two heavy burdens, the weight of a changing world and the weight of God's law and judgment. You said, I'm big enough to carry this thing. And I'm willing to call God's people to a place of righteousness. He said, because you did that. You were going, the word originally has to do with like a nursing child. You were going to nurse from those treasures, from those great things out in those deep waters, and for treasures that are hidden in the sand. The abundance of the sea and treasures of sand. You say, well, that's, that's all good and good stories. Well, that may not mean a lot to you. But today in Israel, there's some people that take that scripture literally. In fact, I recently did some research, came across some information. You ever heard of the Zion Oil and Gas Company? Just recently applied and was approved for 245,000 more acres of land for oil exploration in the land given to Issachar. Somebody read that scripture. In the last five years, and they are working, I saw pictures in the last two weeks of, of pumps and towers that are being built and placed there. They went back to the land that was given to Issachar, and they said, somewhere in here there's oil. Somewhere, and I'm not here, I'm not prophesying, I'm not getting me a chart and say, get ready, invest in Zion oil. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying somebody believes that word. And what I'm telling you today is there is some deep treasure in understanding these times. There is some things that God wants to provide for you as a child of God and for your family if you won't give up on this truth, if you'll be willing to carry the burden, if you're willing to see the place that God has placed you as a place of favor. Get ready, get ready with, with Second Timothy. I'm almost done. Second Timothy, chapter 3 and verse 1. Brother Spell, would you read verses 1 through 5? This know also that in the last days... The last perilous, days... Perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Right. Covetous. Right. Boasters. Read on. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers... 
false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, uh-huh. high-minded, right? lovers of pleasures right? more than lovers of God. Lovers of what? Lovers of God. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. He said, Timothy, understand, there's coming some perilous times. And then he gives the descriptor of how you will recognize or how you will understand the times. He went on to say they have a form of what? Having a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness. But denying the but power, denying the power thereof. thereof. What I'm preaching to you today is there's a whole lot of people that are wanting to speak direction to the church. But I'm looking. They love pleasure more than God. They only have a form of godliness. But they're denying. And Paul said, you'll recognize the time you're in by those descriptions. Somebody in this church tonight, wake up and understand. These are perilous times. Hey, perilous times aren't coming. They're here. We're living in perilous times. That means the sons of Issachar got to understand the time. Preach, preach, preach. This is not a time, father and mother, to just sit back and let your kids do what everybody else is doing. This isn't the time to just run with the masses. Remember, somebody's got to stand against the majority. Somebody's got to fight 300 men. Somebody's got to go because authority wanted. Somebody's got to stand and fight over what seems insignificant. Somebody's got to fight when it's inconvenient. Timothy, recognize. Recognize your time. And understand what you're to do, verse number 10. From such turn away. What? From such turn away. Here's what you do in understanding the times. From such turn away. From such turn away. Read on. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. Wait, wait. He says, turn away from all that junk. Yeah. You know, Timothy, you know my doctrine. And you know what? Fully. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. And my manner of life. In other words, you're not going to survive these perilous times unless you've learned doctrine. And unless you've learned how to live this life out. Hey, I want to tell you, I thank God for my grandpa's faith. I thank God for my father's faith. But I want to tell you, it's now my faith. And I'm handing it to my children. I want to know the manner of living. And I want to know the doctrine. Fully know my doctrine and manner of life. Read on. Purpose. Faith. You understand my purpose. My God, church, he's saying, Timothy, don't get caught up in all that other junk. It ain't about who's got the coolest music program. No, sir. It ain't about how can, who can get the most greatest coffee shop. And I got great music and I got a coffee shop. And we serve cake there because I'm fat. But I tell you what, coffee shops and cake don't save anybody. We've got to understand our purpose. The purpose is not to fit into this world. My God, you're never going to make, you're never going to make intercessory prayer make sense to this world. 
You gotta understand the purpose is to call out people out of sin, to deliver them from their drugs, to deliver them from their evil life. That's the purpose. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, go. My faith, long suffering, charity. I gotta hurry, let's skip some of that, let's go to verse 14. Uh, but continue thou in Here's the what you do. Continue Timothy, thou. when you recognize the season, and here's how you're going to recognize all that, and he lists that out. When you see that, remember the doctrine, the purpose, the charity, all of that he lists. He said, when you see it, verse 14. But continue thou in the continue, things. Continue, say continue. Continue. In what? Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Read on. And that from a child thou hast known uh-huh, the read, holy scriptures, read. which are able to make thee wise unto salvation uh-huh. through faith which is in Christ right. Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. For thus shall doctrine. Shall doctrine. What else? For reproof. Shall reproof. Reproof. What else? For correction. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. Instruction. In, in other words, the way you deal with perilous times is you have an understanding of the times. And you remember doctrine. And you remember truth. And you remember correction. And you remember when God may have even rebuked you. But you continue. You hang to this truth. Don't you adapt. Don't you change. You hold the truth. You hold the doctrine. You hold to this message. And offer righteousness. God, raise up parents. I'm through. Musicians, would you come? Raise up parents who understand the times, who will fight for a barley field. Raise up some young people who are willing to look at a world that's gone nuts and grab hold of truth. Greg and Kim walked into our church. was Sunday night. I didn't know, but Greg was the worship leader at a church in town somewhere. He said, I will lead worship. And he said, we would even sing about holiness is right. I want to be holy, holy like you. We talk about holy, holy, holy. And he said, but something was wrong. He said, I told my wife something's not matching. We're singing one thing, but we're living something else. He said, I tried to talk to people and they didn't have a clue. He said, I didn't understand anything about the mighty God in Christ. I didn't know any of that. But Brother Alvear, he said, something I knew was wrong in our worship. They walked in just on a lark, showed up at church one night. I think it was one of the very songs that he had just led. It wasn't because we were any better. It wasn't because there was anything except something called holiness unto the Lord. There was something that people were doing their best to live righteously in a changing world. And Greg and Kim, when they walked in, tears began to flow down their face. He turned to his wife. He said, baby, this is what we've been looking for. 
Hey, I want to tell you, it wasn't hard to baptize him in Jesus' name. It wasn't hard for him to get the Holy Ghost. They're there every service, worshiping God. And he said there was something about the presence in that house. God, raise up a generation of parents and pastors and preachers and young people who will recognize these times. If these are not the perilous times, then what are the perilous times? If this isn't the time to take a stand, then where are you going to take a stand at? My God, I've heard it. I mean, I've been in this thing my whole life. i got 37 preachers in my family. And I've heard this statement so much. Well, church just ain't what it used to be. You know the young people nowadays. And I'm wanting to just scream and say, my God, when are you going to take a stand? You back up here, and then you back up here. Where are you going to stop? Somebody recognize tonight and get an understanding of these times. This is the time he was preaching about. This is the time to take a stand. Well, we got a appeal. Well, you know what I think? I think these times demand that we be more apostolic than we've ever been. They tell us this postmodern generation. I've done, I've done some looking. I've read all the emerging church junk. But there, there is some truth. And here's the truth. Their mantra is, we're tired of man-made religion. And I say, bless God, I am too. And they say, what we're really looking for is not religion or religiosity. What we're looking for is experience. You know what I have to say? That means this is the best time to be apostolic. Oh, yes. Because what I got ain't some man-made religious concoction. What I've got is old-fashioned doctrine from God Himself, this book. And I'll tell you what else I got. I got an experience that the world can't take away. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what that means. We need to dance like we've never danced. We need to preach like we've never preached. We need to sing like we've never sang. We need to worship. We need to talk in tongues. I think that I think the world's ready for the real thing. I think the world's ready for an apostolic experience. They, 
don't want phlegm. They don't want phlegm. They want something real at the bottom of their coffee cup. Come on, come on, get real. Get, get real. Hold on just a minute. We're, ba- we're battling this thing with acceptance. I mean, it's almost like bait and switch. Like we'll bait them into thinking we're like them, and then boom, oh, by the way, you're not like That ain't going to work. You're not going to. Come on. They recognize there's something different about an apostolic. Well, at least I hope they do. But do you really think, do you really think that a guy with earrings in his ear, his nose, his lip, looks like he got in a fight with a tackle box, Got tattoos on his head, on his legs, on his back. Is going to be intimidated by a tongue-talking church? Hey, this is not a day to try to sashay our way and be accepted. When they walk in that back door, let them think we've lost our minds. Let them say, hey, because we did, we got a new one. We got it transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hey, it didn't turn you off when you walked in. You wanted what you felt. You wanted what you saw. It's the same thing today. So what we need is people. That look at this crazy world and say, as of tonight, I'm going to be more apostolic than I've ever been. Oh, yes. I'm going to be more apostolic than I've ever been. I'm going to sing the songs of Zion. I'm going to sing songs about heaven. I'm going to sing songs. I'm going to shout. I'm going to dance. I'm going to preach. And I'm going to live for God. I wonder if there's anybody, any moms and dads, any families here. Let us say, preacher, that's for me and my house. We're making up our mind. We recognize these are perilous times. And we understand that we're called to do and what we're to do. And we're coming, come out of that pew as a symbol of your faith, as a symbol of your consecration. You can come as family. You can come as young people. Come however you are. But is there anybody here that will come with us today and say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Come on, come on, come on. I'm taking a stand. I'm going to take a stand on my school. I'm going to take a stand on my job. I'm going to hold to this truth. I'm going to hand it to my next generation. Is there anybody, anybody else? You're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. Come on, come on. Others are coming behind you. Come up closer. Others are coming. Feeling this over here. Hallelujah. You, y'all come on down. Others are trying to get in. Filling this area right here, brothers and sisters. Come on. Come on. All of us are coming. Let's get as close as we can. Hallelujah. We're in this together. This is not a day to separate from one another. This is a day to unite. I'm so blessed by all of you men of God that are here and all of you different saints from around this area. I'm so blessed. Because I need you, Brother Booth. I need you. Brother Bourne, you're more than my friend. You're a strength. 
Come on, you need to believe in one another. You need to believe and pray for one another. Make commitment. I'm going to stand by this apostolic truth. I read a book recently by Herman Wouk. He's a Jewish man. He's not a Christian by any means. He's a playwright on Broadway. He wrote a book and talked about his Jewish faith and all that he's endured for his faith. Then in the book, I got so convicted. He said, how could the Jews remain the Jews when there was no Israel? If they took America away from us today, how many would still be American in 2,000 years? But something he said about the Jews, they stayed Jews, even when they had no place to call home. He said because they recognized their identity went beyond a piece of land. And he said, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. He said, it doesn't matter to a Jew if it's the richest man in the city or if it's the poorest, most out of style, little old bag woman. If she's a Jew, she's a Jew. Some of us can pass each other in the mall and not even talk to one another. When are we going to fall in love with this faith? When are we going to recognize you're my brother and you're my sister and I need you to survive? I need you. Come on, we got to hold up this faith. we got to hold on to this identity. When are we going to learn to strengthen one another? I want you to grab the hand of somebody or put your hand on their shoulder, whatever you feel is appropriate. And I want you to begin to pray for one another right now. I want you to begin to pray that God would bind this apostolic faith together. God, pour your anointing on us. God, we're living in perilous times. I need you. I need you. I need my brother, Lord. I need my family. Save my children. Save my family. Save my children. Save my grandchildren. Save my church. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, brother. Let your family hear you pray. Come on, mom and dad. Let your children hear you pray right now. Pastor, pray. Preacher, pray. Saint of God, pray. That every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Come on, come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to move right now. God wants to strengthen somebody. Come on, preacher, don't give up the fight. Come on, mom and dad, don't give up. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to truth. Come on, young person, don't give in to temptation. Don't give up truth. I know it looks appealing. I know everything's changing, but don't give up your faith. You are important to me. 
Come on. Come on, brother. Turn and pray with another brother right now. Sister, turn and pray with another sister right now. i got to have the faith of God. i got to have the strength of God. I need you, brother. I need you, sister. I'm holding the truth, but I need you to stand with me. I need you to stand for truth with me. I don't want to do it by myself. Come on, come on. I need you, pastor. I need you, young person. I need you, brother. I need you, sister. Understand that God's moving. Understand that God is moving. God is moving tonight. The Holy Ghost has fallen in the house. In the name of Jesus. Bind us together, Jesus. I need you to survive. I can't make it without you, Jesus. I need you. You need me. You need me. We're all apart. We're all apart of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. God's performing miracles tonight in the name of Jesus. God's speaking to our souls. Speak to our families. Speak to our marriages. Speak to our families. Speak to men. Speak to women. Speak to mothers and fathers. With words. Because I need you to survive. I need you to survive. We're all apart. I need you to survive. I won't harm you. With words from my mouth. I need you. I need you to survive. I pray. She's being filled with the Holy Ghost right now. The Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need my brother. I need my sister. Come on, if you got family, husbands and wives, lock up hand in hand, husbands and wives. Children, get a hold of your parents. Church families, church families, begin to connect your faith with one another's faith. Church families, connect your faith with one another. Connect your faith with one another. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you. You need me. 
God. The Holy Ghost has fallen. It is His will. That ever. I need you, Jesus. Come on, let God draw you together tonight. Let God draw you together tonight. Speak, Holy Ghost. Words. I need. With words. Cause I need. I love. Binding together, Jesus. Let the Holy Ghost of God fall. I need you. I need you. You're important. Not important. I need you. I need you. I need you. You need Keep on praying. Yes. Come on, the miracle of God is taking place tonight. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. You're so important to me. You're so important to me. Much. Much. I need you. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you. It's His will. You're so important to me. I need you. I need you. Strengthen every family, God. and my children here. I want my wife and my children to come up here tonight. Come stand by me. Amen. Every family, if at all possible, just gather as close as you can. Husband and wife, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, whatever you are. If you could just find one another right now. 
Amen. Donna Bennett. Donna Bennett. If you can come up here, come up here. Two months ago, I received a call. I'm up into the line. They said, Brother Spell, you don't know us, but somebody's asking for you by name at the Lady of the Lake Regional Hospital in Baton Rouge. They want you to go pray for him, dying with pancreatic cancer, a few days to live. Name the name. I didn't know the name at the time. I walked in the room. This lady standing beside me said, Brother Spell, we've been waiting on you. I looked at the swollen body, the poison of cancer of a man that I rode to work with 13 years ago. And he knew there was a one God preacher living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He said, I want him to come pray for me. I walked in the first words that he said to me. He said, I want you to baptize me in Jesus' name. I've just got a couple of days to live, and I want to get right with God. Would you do it? I'd be glad to do it. Let's make a long story short. Many, many victories in, in the past two months. I've prolonged his life, testified of all the healing power of God. He died this past Monday at 2.30. We buried him yesterday. Donna Bennett received the baptism of the Holy Ghost about five minutes ago, standing in front of that altar. He said, he told me, he told me when he was... After he was baptized in Jesus' name, he said, God's going to heal me, and I'm going to go everywhere, and everywhere you go, tell God, tell people that God is a healer, and testify about what God can do. Could it be that as he's in that cold graveyard about a half a mile from here, he's testifying about what God can do right now? There's no restraint to the Lord. Donna, Norman's not here tonight, but the will of God's just been performed in your life. It's for your children. It's for your five daughters. It's for your 20-something grandchildren. God, you can go down now, but I want, I want every preacher in the house of God to pray a prayer. If you're with your family, stay with your family. But I want you to pray a prayer and lift your hands out over every family in this audience. And I want you to pray that God would give them understanding of the times. Thank you, Brother Young, for preaching a masterpiece to us. Understanding of You better have understanding in your home. That the political parties of this country want to redefine marriage. They want to redefine what a family is and what it should be. But the devil's a liar and the truth's not in him. There's still some apostolic families here tonight that still says we're going to stand for truth. We're going to praise. We're going to be faithful to the church. We're going to be faithful in our tithe like we've never been. We're going to back up the preacher. We're going to be faithful in our attendance. I want every person, if they would, to stretch forth their hands out over this building and start praying one for another. Strengthen our families across this country. Strengthen our church families across this country. Strengthen our family and our homes. And when you strengthen our home, strengthen the church family when they go back to their home church. God, I need you to survive. I can't make it without my brother. I need you. Oh, I could probably live without you, but I need you to survive in this last hour. I want to preach to your children. 
There's some preachers here that want to preach to your family. They want to preach to your family. There's only one way to live, and that's this one God apostolic way. Oh, God, anoint my family tonight, Jesus. Bind us together with chains that cannot be broken, O oh God of heaven. Bind us together, Jesus. Touch our marriages. Touch our homes. Touch our church families. Man, Jesus. There's a sweet spirit in this place tonight. There's a sweet spirit in this place tonight. Oh, Jesus. We just entertain the presence for a few more moments. Amen. When you feel like I feel right now, I don't want to get in a hurry. Some of you have driven three or four hours. You've flown from different parts of the country. Let's just continue to let this, uh, this presence of God saturate the house for a few moments. Amen, 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 amen. God, strengthen my grandmother, Jesus. Thank you for the pillar in the church, for the godly example of the ladies. Thank you, Jesus. Strengthen our homes, O oh Jesus. Strengthen us, O oh God. We're stronger together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother Young, thank you. We've been ministered to tonight. Not only have I been blessed, there's a difference in being blessed only and not being helped, but I've been blessed by being here tonight, and I have been helped by the preached Word of God. Give us understanding of these times. It's not a time to back up. It's not a time to just stand still, but it's a time to press on toward the mark. For the prize of a high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thankful for all the guests tonight. For the Garrett Robinson and your family. For the beautiful songs. The anointed singing. Praise all the testimonies. All of our guests. You've honored us with your presence tonight. Amen. Remember the announcements. Our special meetings. Please nobody go home. But stay for us. Stay with us for a while in the fellowship hall. God, bless this food tonight. Bless the hands that prepared it. Bless these families on their way home, these church families on their way back home tonight or tomorrow, God. We thank you for anointing our minds tonight, Jesus, and speaking to our hearts and souls, giving us understanding of these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Young, once again. We look forward to... You fellowshipping with us. God bless you. Shake hands and be friendly tonight.